Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour time. Yeah, that was like a mini woo yeah, so compared to your show. Yeah. Brian does his own podcast, Sovereign Tech, and he starts every show off with a bang. Oh, like a, a wrestler walking into the arena, right? No, That's what it's inspired from. Oh, there it is. She gave away my secrets. Uh, <laughs> well, this better be a good show because we interrupted a just amazing karaoke session. We were singing a duet from The Little Mermaid. We were. Of, uh, well, a medley of Little Mermaid songs, right? Like... Le poisson, le Not poisson. doing it on air. Like Cleaver, I'll hack them in two. Brian does great character voices. Yeah. Like he's got an awesome Kermit the Frog voice. He does a uh, what was that chef? Was his name Gaston or something? No, that's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, who's the Pierre? I'm just thinking of all these stereotypical <laughs> French names, but it was something. And then, of course, we sang. Um, uh, oh, what is that song? I want to be the where the oh, people yeah. are. Oh, yeah, Sebastian the yeah. Crab. Part of your girl. world. Part of your, oh, part yeah. of your world. That's yeah. what it's called. So, A snarf blat. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time that word has appeared on Sex and Science Hour. Snarf blat? Because you've worked it in. Yeah, you don't remember. It's oh, in I might season. Have said Go back blatt. to season one. You're it's right. an Easter egg at this point. You're so, right. <laughs> anyway, we should probably, we've been talking for two and a half yeah, minutes, we're Brian. We're going to get sued by Disney <laughs> here if we go another minute. So, we better stop. <laughs> you know, interesting fact I've heard as a voice actor, because I'm a voice actor. I've heard that if you ever want to work for Disney, mm -hmm. you cannot do anything that's like not kid friendly in your under your own name that you're going to use to work with Disney. Weird. Can you do something that's Buena Vista friendly? I don't know. What's hmm. what's Buena Vista? That was like their they they started making more like not so kid films and they sort uh -huh. of they 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 labeled them under Buena Vista. Ah, well yeah, yeah they probably want to keep Lake the branding Vista, really which, separate. Yeah. yeah. What about Lake Buena Vista? Oh, it's named after that, which is just a part. Well, it's a part of Disney World. Oh, I see. So, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Well, I'm I mean, pretty sure I've soiled my name and reputation. Of, <laughs> I could never really... work for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good conspiracies around Disney World itself. You there know? are, but you know, we sometimes get in trouble when we talk about those. There's You're this, true. That's this true. guy got really mad at us because we were on the Conspirathon with Brett Vinat from School Sucks. We were talking about Disney conspiracy, Walt Disney conspiracies. Oh yeah. And this guy whose profile picture was of like Epcot got really mad at us. <laughs> <laughs> the jig is up. I mean, yeah. yeah, come on. It's just 
Disney World's just like the Vatican, except it worships Satan instead of Satan. Well, wait, does that mean the Vatican worships Satan? Not, never oh, mind. Now Let's, we're just getting way too esoteric. Yeah, Brian, we've gone way Why up. are we so bored? That's <laughs> well, this is why all this comes up. This is why we're singing duets. <laughs> no, I don't feel bored. No, to tell I'm you the truth, bored. I never feel bored. And in fact, my dad used to always tell me, "Hey, whenever I complain about being too busy, he'd say, well, it's better to be busy than bored.'" And uh, I think that's true. It's, ah. It is. I would rather be busy than bored, but I don't want to also fall into the trap of just creating work for myself to make sure I'm never bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need I've, downtime every once in a while. Yeah. I've heard cases for being bored, being like an essential part of creativity. Creativity. Yeah. Because yeah. that's when you get new ideas. Like, I definitely feel like if there's been weeks where we've been working just nonstop day and night mm-hmm. and, and then we say, you know, oh, I can't take it anymore. Let's go for a walk in the woods. And mm-hmm. we just shut, we leave our phones behind and we just go out into the woods. Yeah. That's when I get like, it, it's like a faucet turns on and yeah. all these ideas come to me. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it is amazing how that works. So I wouldn't doubt that whole board, boredom being a part of creativity uh, thing. Um, but we've got an article here to start out that is by that exact title. Why are we so bored? We live in a world of constant entertainment, but is too much stimulation boring? So this is from The Guardian. I'd like to dig in because um, confession here, we're fi- kind of flying seat of our pants. I haven't actually read this <laughs> I read article it. yet. You read it. Yeah. So like when we talk about an article on Sex and Science Hour, usually one of us has read it, but the other one hasn't. Not because <laughs> we, we're not bored. Unless it was so good that we sent it to each other. Yeah. We're like, oh my God, you have to read this. Yeah. We're but incredibly this, busy. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> but um, but not too busy to do the show. That's right. Um, so anyway, uh, from The Guardian, why are we so bored? It amazes me, says the author, when people proclaim that they're bored. Actually, it amazes me that I'm ever bored or that any of us are. With so much to occupy us these days, boredom should be a relic of a bygone age, an age devoid of the Internet, social media, multi-channel TV, 24-hour shopping, multiplex cinemas, game consoles, texting, and whatever other myriad possibilities are available these days to entertain us. Yet despite the plethora of high-intensity entertainment constantly at our disposal, we are still bored. Up to half of us are, quote, often bored at home or at school. Well, I could see at school. Yeah, why that's you're bored. designed to be boring. <laughs> but, but home is totally different. Then you can choose what you're doing. But I guess people are always bored. Well, more than two thirds of us are chronically bored at work. Oh, gee, I'm seeing a pattern here. School, work. <laughs> hmm, where do you why, why do you suppose you're bored there? Because you're yeah. not doing things that you like. Um, We're bored by paperwork, by the commute, by dull meetings. TV's boring, as is Facebook and other social media. We spend our weekends. We spend our weekends at dull parties. What? Why would you go to a party if it was boring? (laughs) I'm not quite in alignment with this article, but anyway, we spend our weekends at dull parties, watching tedious films, or listening to our spouses drone on about their day. Oh, I hate it when my spouse drones on about his day. It's just, I can't stand it. <laughs> no, I'm totally When being do I drone on about my day and I'm not well, well, you're not technically, technically my spouse. Technically your spouse either. Yeah. We're, we're life partners. We're committed, but we're not uh, spouses under the law. Yeah. Um, the law. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, our kids are bored, bored of school, of homework, and even of school holidays. Yeah, I, I, you know, thinking about when I felt bored in my life, the most bored times I've, I've felt was when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, like, I feel like I was bored a lot as a kid. Yeah. But then again, a lot of my childhood was before the internet, before smartphones. Yeah. And I was also, like, in school and watching, like, stupid TV shows and 
you know, what else is new? Yeah. The only time I can remember really being bored as a kid was when like when Shabbat or uh, like on Saturday when, <laughs> when, when, you know, Sabbath. At, re- at religious things you were bored. Yes. Oh, I was so bored. at religious. Th- oh, it terrible. was awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm an atheist now, but I have to tell you, like I, I've actually preached three times. Uh, and I made sure that they were the most like entertaining things I could think of because I just wanted to deliver what I would have wanted to see. I tried to make it funny. I tried to like sing the hymns and like get down with everybody and almost kind of like rock it out a little bit. Not that it was rock music at all. You like kicked the amp, didn't and, you? Yeah, on purpose. <laughs> I kicked the amp just to make that you know sound. And then I, I Did you ducked imagine underneath. Brian coming out to the front of the church like a wrestler at the ring? <laughs> He's like, woo. <laughs> and everybody and like these everybody, old Whoa. ladies are whispering to each other in the pew i think he's committing pride <laughs> isn't that one of the seven deadly sins oh it was a hell of a thing but yeah i ducked right underneath the the, the podium you know or the, the little stand there and uh and you know got down there for a second then got back up i was like oh i'm okay i'm okay and everybody <laughs> just kind of stood there like like just looking and i'm like like oh. you're not supposed to have this much fun in church yeah, what is like, he for doing fuck's sake <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can totally picture that, Brian. And it just goes to make a point about this article. Um, I think like a lot of us, when if if you're a certain personality type that won't accept being bored, mm-hmm. you make up things to entertain yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> you talk to yourself, you invent things to do, you talk to your siblings, you talk to people around you, you reach out, you know, you, you find a way to entertain yourself. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, so anyway, the author of this article says there are a number of explanations for this ennui. This, in fact, is part of the problem. We're overstimulated. The more entertained we are, the more entertainment we need in order to feel satisfied. So is he saying it's like a neurological feedback thing? Like it's almost like when people talk about porn addiction. Yes. And this is just, I think, mostly a theory, but there's research behind it. But anyway, they say like basically sometimes your body... And this is true. Your body will get used to stimuli. So like if you if if you let's let's say every night there's rain going on mm-hmm. and it's during the time when you're about to go to sleep. Well, the first night it may keep you awake. You may have a hard time falling asleep or a partner snoring or some other noise. Uh-huh. First night, first few nights, it may keep you awake. You may have a hard time sleeping, but eventually you tune it out and you get used to it. Mm-hmm. And it takes more level of noise in order to just wake you up. Well, I think noise might be a unique – I think to some degree what you're saying is right. I, like the noise thing is kind of different. Like most people don't realize that all electronics make some kind of noise and that effectively like if a caveman like walked into even say just a studio, he would be like, wow, why is it so noisy in here? We don't hear anything because we've really like we've we've come a, we've become accustomed you know to hearing the, to we've all these little soft. lines and everything yeah we've gone soft <laughs> <laughs> um but i think that's a little bit different than like maybe the novelty that they're kind of talking about yeah oh yeah so i didn't get to this part yet but um it says basically our attention spans are getting shorter we're hardwired hardwired to seek novelty which produces a hit of dopamine the feel good chemical in our brains as soon as a new stimulus is noticed however it's no longer new and after a while it bores us to get that same pleasurable hit of dopamine we seek fresh sources of distraction so yeah this is what they say about why facebook is so successful cuz it gives you these notifications you're like ooh a notification right. and it's never a closed loop you can never get to the bottom of that pile of notifications because they keep piling on. Same with email. Some people check their email 
multiple hundreds of times a day. Yeah. And they just keep refreshing and refreshing until there's something new. It's like, you know, when they put a mouse in those cages and they press a button and like every 50 presses on a random one, crack comes out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it'll just sit there all day and press <laughs> the button. So, yeah, well, I mean, I can kind of believe that. But I mean, I feel like this this article is by Dr. Sandy Mann and they wrote a book called The Upside of Downtime, Why Boredom is Good. So I think this article is trying to sell the book, but I think it also has a point. You know, maybe people in general are, um, something's changing with our attention spans because of the world that we live in where there's constantly all this overstimulation all the time. Mm -hmm. I could really believe that. But then again, I wouldn't say we're quite in this idiocracy yet where we're just like, uh, hitting refresh on our Facebook. <laughs> uh, I'm so bored, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, th so like the male thing is interesting because I, I knew people, I mean, the mail only comes once a day, right? It, it, like your normal snail mail. I knew people when I was younger that like check the mail over and over and over again. Like, I mean, they really wanted like to know and like they'd even go out and check it out at night, you know, now granted. <laughs> so you're saying people are going to seek that out no matter what. Yeah, I, I kind of I think you're right. There is an attention span problem going on. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I don't know, people there's I've always known people that just didn't like to read. You know, or that didn't. And of course, that comes from a completely different thing. Doesn't you think? Do, do you think it could be like a personality type? Because like we were saying yeah. before, there are certain people who will keep themselves entertained no matter what. Yeah, that's that's what I really think it boils down to. And, I, and I don't bored people. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy into like this notion of overstimulation, um, like even on the aspect of porn. Like I can think of I mean, I'm, I don't really watch porn, but I can think no. of like the like the greatest porns I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And they quote unquote turn me on as much as they ever did, no matter how many times I've seen them. Um, it doesn't take much for me. Show me like a nineties HBO, like softcore movie. Damn right, some skin <laughs> and max. Woo. That's the stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I, I know I could watch them over and over again and, and the effect does not change. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I buy into this whole overstimulation. Idea. Well, would you agree that? So Sandy says the prescription for this, that she, or he builds this case during the article saying people are more bored than ever, even though they have more stimulation. But the cure for this is that, well, um, research shows chronic boredom leads to a lot of bad outcomes, such as gambling, food addiction, antisocial behavior, drug use, accidents, etc. It seems paradoxical, but feeling bored in the short term will make us less bored in the long, long term. So we need to, like, give ourselves... Uh, we need to give ourselves like boredom and just stop down and take a walk in nature or something. Yeah. But walking in, like I get that. We need to put down the phone. That's what Sandy's saying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's understandable. I mean, I think to some degree, maybe phone addiction is kind of a real thing. Like maybe. Yeah. I, I think that could be the yeah. case. I mean, my phone is with me a lot, yeah. probably more than I would like. And everyone is. Everyone is like that. So nobody notices it. Everyone's right. sort of addicted to their phones. So uh, I don't know if we did a very good job summarizing that. We were kind of like talking it out on the air. But um, it's kind of interesting. I guess I could I guess maybe, Brian, you and I should try for science for the show mm -hmm. a digital detox where we just turn our phones off for a couple of days. 
Ah. Or even like one day. <laughs> we'd have to turn it all off. Like we'd have to turn off the laptop. Yeah, we'd have probably. To turn off because I mean, because you can get the same information on your laptop. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I would. I'm not opposed to doing that. I actually, I find it interesting when people do those write-ups about how, and that's when people say they genuinely are bored. Uh, you know, they do these write-ups about how they they for their job they took a month off. Uh, yeah. You know, from from having, I mean, and all they had was like a mechanical typewriter. Uh, you, you know, to be able to to do something like that. Um, and, you know, they, they say that they're bored and all this. I'd be in, I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued when I read those sorts of things. Um, there's a part of me that feels like, well, you know, but all of these new abilities, all of these, you know, new uh, novel things that supposedly we get used to and thus we need greater and greater novel things. That's kind of the point of the art, what the article is saying. Uh, some of it makes us like I've made the argument in the past that it kind of makes us transhuman. And that's kind of exciting, you know, to be able to contact somebody that's millions of miles away. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, you know, you kind of have to step back for a second and say, oh, that is amazing. That is magical. That is just wild. But how, you know, what meaning does that contact have mm -hmm. when you when you do that? And then I think that's that's where you kind of got to step back and say, I mean, I don't think I think overstimulation is a problem that some people have, not everybody. But it is important maybe to take a look and see, you know, am I too, uh, I don't know. Too hooked. <laughs> Too hooked. Yeah, that's what it all comes down to. It's just like your awareness about is this affecting your life in a bad way? And if so, can you change it? Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, next we're going to read a completely hypocritical article about how to get more responses to your emails with science. <laughs> after just that's talking about perfect. that. Stick around. This is the old bait science switch. Hour. <laughs> the bait and switch is coming up here. We're a bunch of baiters. <laughs> We're back. It's Sex and Science Hour. We're back. Ho oh, hum. That was like a two second break. But so apparently, <laughs> since people have such short attention spans, we can't go away for too long. So I told you, I, I teased this hypocritical article we're going to read after just saying we need to disconnect from email and so forth. I found this this research study that was done by Boomerang. And okay, this is not an ad for Boomerang, but. If you don't know what Boomerang is, it's an extension for Gmail and for other um, email programs. Oh, yeah. That lets you basically put a time delay on an email. It's actually really useful, and it does other things, too. Um, the thing that I use it for most is if I'm being a workaholic and I'm feeling ashamed or embarrassed of that, and I'm mm -hmm. doing work really late at night, and I want to send something to a client or send an email off to somebody and make it look like I sent the email at, like, 9 a.m. the next morning, even though I'm really typing it at like 2 a.m. the following night <laughs> yeah, yeah. or the previous night, I will set Boomerang to have it send it like 9.07 in the morning or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to make it look like I'm an early riser. Because as we talked about on a previous show, that is like socially acceptable, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know people are on email all the time anyway, but I feel like it's just more professional to send business emails during business hours. Sure. You know, so I use Boomerang for that sometimes. And then you can also set it to like um, email you if a person doesn't respond to your email within a certain yeah, period of time. Yeah, it can email you reminders. Yep, which is it can nice. send reminders. It can send, it can resend a message if it doesn't get a response. Yeah. So it does all kinds of things. And, so they're, you know, I guess they did some research on how to how to generate more 
How to make an e- craft an email so that somebody who receives it is more likely to respond. Okay. Because this is interesting, right? Like, I think a lot of people send emails because they want a response, right? They're trying to communicate. So how do you make it more likely that the person is going to receive it and communicate back to you? Well, um, according to Boomerang, they say... Um, Write like a third grader. That's the first tip. So they have a, a couple of different tips. How, what at what reading? I'm, uh, at rainbows. What, <laughs> basically, at what reading? Like at what complexity of words should you use? At what reading level is likely to get the most response? They uh. tested emails written at a kindergarten reading level, a third grade reading level, a high school reading level, and a college reading level. Okay. What do you think? Got the most response. Well, you kind of already well, let the uh, cat out of the uh, bag. Fuck, but I screwed yeah, up. Yeah. No, that's all right. But third grade. So grader. a third grade reading level, the, the second from the bottom, got the S- highest response rate. So I shouldn't use words like catawampus in my... That might name. be a college word. Yeah. yeah. Um, they all said right. our most surprising finding was that our reading level of your emails had a... Oh, the reading grade level of your emails had a dramatic impact on response rates. Emails written to, at a third grade reading level were optimal. They pro- provided a whopping 36% lift over emails written at a college reading level. Wow. Yeah. So if you write an email at a college reading level, I guess you're about 30, 39% of those get a response, which is less than it's half. The dumbing down of America. <laughs> if you write an email at a third grade reading level... Over half of them get a response, 53%. Wow. So you're like significantly more likely to get a response if you don't use big words. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I will remember this. (laughs) As someone who's in the person who wrote this blog post said, as someone who's been described as a, quote, pedantic rambler, this one hit me right in the fingers. (laughs) 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 But rather than decry the state of English, English language education, I'll just try to roll with it and streamline my lexicon and simplify my verbiage and he crossed that out (laughs) use shorter words and shorter sentences (laughs) wow that's funny of course he says the context of your email matters a lot if you're sending an email discussing the finer points of your phd thesis to the professor who's evaluating you you should probably use the college reading level (laughs) heart val no not vals is too big Uh, pipes blood all right here's the next part write with emotion now, this is interesting to me. People are more likely to respond when they get an email that is either either slightly positive in tone or slightly negative in tone. Really? Yes. If you, um, if you write a, a nasty email, it's very unlikely to get a response that has like the lowest response rate. Yeah. But also... If you write a very positive email, it's not as likely to get a response as if it's just slightly positive or neutral. Neutral emails actually get less of a response than slightly negative emails. That's amazing because I would, I mean, so far I'm, I'm 0 and 2. Like I, I'm failing on these counts. <laughs> Me too. Because... I think I use a college reading level and yeah. usually glowing positive as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't do glowing positive. I do neutral, but that's because it's like, yeah, you don't want to send an email. It sounds like it's going to bother somebody. Yeah. You know? I think and maybe neutral. Me too. I, I would yeah, say like, Wait, business email is definitely neutral. Um, personal emails may be more positive, but I mean, we're using machines here. We should be responding like machines. I'm, I'm not pleased by this. So the, the, the way they did this was actually pretty scientific. They used a sentiment score, which is done by a computer. And it just basically 
it ranges from minus one for piss and vinegar to one for saccharin <laughs> with zero representing a completely neutral email. And it, it analyzes the words in the email to get a sense of the tone, an objective sense, because it's done literally by a machine. Okay. Here's some examples. This is a neutral email. Hey, I was thinking about you earlier. Do you want to get pizza? <laughs> True neutral. Yeah. Um, Here's another example. This is a 0.35 positive sentiment. Hey, I'd definitely like to get together next week. Do you want to get pizza? That's a 0.35. So ah, slightly positive. Okay. And they say for that one, perfect. It's easy to add positive sentiment to an email. This is all it takes and it'll boost the response rate. Very positive um, or more positive uh, point at 0.55. Hey, it would be really great to see you and catch up. Do you want to get pizza? Um, cause I guess that one said really great. So that really? elevated this. Oh, I see. <laughs> this is kind of hard to get the see. hang of, but this is what they're, this is the subtle differences they're working with here. And then 0.9 positive sentiment. This is like super, super positive. Hey, it would be absolutely wonderful to see you. Do you want to get pizza? I'm so excited. <laughs> see now it would have been really positive. It was like, do you want to get a big sausage pizza? <laughs> and then I would have been like, oh, okay. The yeah. sausage Where is the Where does that dick. fall on their algorithms? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. um, here's some examples of negative emails. They say, we don't like to advise day-ruining screeds. Poisonously negative emails were the least likely to get a response. However, a moderately negative email is your best bet for a complaint, working 13% better than similar content expressed in a neutral tone. So... This is an example of negative 0.1 on their scale. Okay. Almost neutral, but a, just a touch negative. I had a less than optimal experience in your store today. The clerk wasn't very nice. Could you please consider my feedback? That's a that's a slightly negative. Hmm. Um, here's a moderately negative one, a, ne a, a, a minus 0.35 sentiment. I had an awful experience at your store today. The clerk was very rude. Please do something to make it right. Okay. And that would be the most likely to get a response. They call that a perfectly moderated amount of negativity. <laughs> what what is the what's the maximum negativity what it really got? Uh well there's one in between. There's oh, okay. still a little more negative still. I had the worst experience at your store earlier today. The clerk was rude and patronizing. I will never come back. Wow, that wasn't in uh that wasn't an E prime. I am very disappointed. <laughs> The worst experience because there will the never be anything experience. worse. Yeah. Okay. And and then here's the most negative. This is a negative point nine sentiment. Your store experience sucks. Your <laughs> clerk is a douchebag. Piss off. I hope you die in agony. <laughs> oh my I don't God. know. It's that's gonna wow. have a response out of me. I, I don't <laughs> think that one meant to have a response written to it. I think they just wanted to spew. Okay. Well, if you're going to spew, spew into this. All right. What do we Testing get? the sentiment of your emails takes more work, they say, than calculating the reading grade level. Most word processors don't support sentiment analysis yet, and online tools report wildly varying results for the same content. Um, but it's basically true for what they say. The data, they say the data is noisy and it's hard to calibrate, but basically that was what they got. Sure. Um, I think that's interesting because Tone in, in text, there's been a lot of studies on this, and we've talked about it on the show. There's been a lot of sh studies that show um, the way that people interpret the tone of an email or a text message or a message that's just written instead of spoken mm -hmm. is has more to do with basically whatever's going on for the reader at the time. 
it's it's basically their own mood that they were yeah. already experiencing has more to do with how they interpret an email than how the writer meant it. Yeah, yeah. So once again, I mean, just it just shows like don't take things personally is a really good mantra to follow because so much of the time it's really what the way someone reacts or responds is is way more about whatever's going on for them than what's than than you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this this all comes off. Are there more to this? There is more. Yeah, okay. um, the length of an email. Uh, you can you can say it. Though. Well, I was going to say I think a lot of this. Well, actually, read the length because I, I do want to. I, I think it might fit in with my uh, my thesis. Okay. Well, here's the long and short of it. <laughs> they say write short but not too short emails. So they tested different lengths from ten words to two hundred words. Okay. And they found that the most likely to get a response was between 50 to 125 words. Okay. So that's 50 to 125 words. That's a couple sentences. I know this because of voiceover because I see word counts for scripts. 125 words, if you spoke it aloud, is less than a minute of talk time. Ah, So reading it would probably take eh, 30 seconds or so. So if someone reads an email and only takes 30 seconds, maybe they have one question. Yeah. I think I would be way more likely to respond to that. It's hard sometimes for me to get up the energy to respond to a long email that has a lot of questions or a lot of points. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, I, I I get it. So What's... dumb it down, shorten it up. Yeah, tighten it up. <laughs> if you tend to write long, lengthy emails, it may be less likely to get a response. So. Yeah. What else we have? Um, did you... What were you going to say? Did you have your comment that you... Well, I have a thesis, and I'm curious if the rest of them kind of fit into this. Okay, well, the the next thing I think, and this is maybe the last thing, is um, subject line length. They tested the number of words in the subject, so from no subject up to seven-word subject, and they found that the most likely to get a response was a two- to five-word subject. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I I can I can see that. Yeah. So overall, like, I mean, is there a point on that? Well, on that the, one? One, of, one of the biggest points is, I guess, between one and seven words in the subject, it it made a difference a little bit. Like the middle was the sweet spot. Definitely mm-hmm. three and four words or two words or five words was were the most likely to get a response. Yeah. But the one that stood out was if the email has no subject. Only fourteen percent of those get a response ever. Yeah, I so can you should that. put a subject. Basically, the takeaway from that is definitely put a subject. If you want to, if you're doing a, maybe if you're doing email marketing or something, you'd want to try to put a three or four word subject. But definitely put a subject at least. Yeah, all, all caps and no subject. I think are like two ways to get ignored. <laughs> but that's because usually you expect them to be. Spam well, vitriolic kind. too. Yeah, I mean, if someone's screaming at you in text, right? The, yeah. the all caps is like yelling. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's funny because I would think a lot of this would be counterintuitive because the way that most people read via, or you know, at least throughout history up until recently, mm-hmm. um, was by you know, really like reading newspapers or novels, you know, or even short stories. Mm-hmm. And all of these, you know, if you count like the subject as a chapter heading. Uh, a long chapter heading is not uncommon. And in fact, uh, underneath you like, you know, maybe you like getting a little quote for the chapter heading that kind of gives you a hint at what's going to come into the chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would want that. The length, you know, and the the, the uh, grade level, perhaps, of the writing, you know, all of those things you expect. It, it seems counterintuitive, but it's funny because with text, you would think text could be 
I know a lot of people feel like, well, it's tough to read what a text says. Yeah. But actually, if it comes with a narrative, if it comes with a slightly outside narrative, even if it's first first person or particularly third person, no, text can can express all kinds of emotions. That's why novels, you know, books have oh, been so yeah. part of the human, uh, you know, human experience. But the challenge is how do you express emotions in a short format, like an email? Well, that's, or that's a, a Facebook message or whatever text message. Right. I think that's what comes off as counterintuitive is yeah. because the way that we like to experience text, the way that text becomes meaningful to us is the exact opposite of everything that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So there's a real shift there. Um, and, and I don't know if that's related to the boredom topic we talked about in the last segment <laughs> or what, um, but, but that is, that is a definite shift, uh, that, that there is this, like, there's this whole attention span problem. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really feel like the attention span thing is, it's, um, uh, you forgot about it. No, well, no, <laughs> no it's I'm just, just yeah, it's, it's a, it's a false creation. Like, I, I think it's kind of. It's something that gets forced upon people. I don't think it's necessarily part of human nature. Um, a short attention. How would that get forced upon people? Or I, are you saying it's a made up problem? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a made up problem. Like, I mean, you, mm. you think YouTube, uh, what do they say now? I, I, I've heard the statistics where they say, well, you know, the attention span of the average YouTube watcher is only like three seconds. Oh, yeah. I've heard that the average length of watching a video is something like six minutes or something if it's longer than 30 minutes. Most people six minutes. Yeah, most people only watch for six minutes. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard just some ridiculous numbers that you have to catch people like. I don't even really have the short... patience to sit through like a fifteen-second YouTube commercial sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the problem is, is that you know it's an ad. It's not what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, true. the problem isn't that people don't have an attention span. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that no, they don't want to waste their fucking time with bullshit <laughs> they didn't sign up for, or that that at least they weren't looking for. I shouldn't say they did sign up for the fact that they're going to get ads fed to them. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And that, I mean, that Guardian article was definitely an author trying to sell their book yep, um, yeah. and writing it's about it. It's native advertising. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought that email science thing was actually pretty interesting. Here's a summary. Of I think it. it's right. I think it's accurate. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, yeah, it's a, it is a little bit like what what does that say about humans? Right. When yeah, the I, kindergarten level. Yeah, email is more likely to get a response than the college right. level. You know, in fact, I even I remember asking you just the other day, I said, I was like, you know, is putting emoticons, you know, in, a, in an oh, email, yeah, like, is that OK? Thing. Yeah. And I think it definitely makes it I mean, it makes you look a certain way. I'm like hyper aware of doing it because I don't want to appear like girly. You know, I don't usually do that in professional emails, smiling yeah. faces or anything. Yeah, you got to be careful, but it's an it is an easy way. And I'll admit it. In my opinion, as much mm. as I would much rather just write long form emails, right. um, it is an an easy way to express some kind of emotion. Like it's right. an easy way to express sarcasm, particularly. Yeah, uh, which is you know part of a lot of people's daily you know kind of parlance. But sarcasm uh, is one of the worst things in emails. That's the hardest to get across. Right, even with which, an emoticon. Yeah, which well, there's that, really no sarcasm emoticon, but yeah, you could, you kind of have the the colon p. You know, oh, the like yeah. sticking out your tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th I think that always works. Yeah, that's joking, I suppose. But sure, yeah, really interesting. Anyway, here's the here's a summary of those email tips. Use shorter sentences with simpler words. A third grade reading level works best. Include one to three questions in your email. Oh, and that's one we didn't quite cover, but basically we did. Like, if your email has one to three questions, it's more likely to get a response than no questions or eight or more questions. <laughs> nah, yeah. Um. Make sure you use a subject line, aim for three to four words. 
Use a slightly positive or slightly negative tone. Both outperform a completely neutral tone. Take a stand. Opinionated messages receive higher response rates than objective ones. And then write enough, but not too much. Try to keep messages between 50 to 125 words. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, it pains <laughs> me to say, but it's, I'm sure that's all true. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I much rather, I mean, I'm more impressed. Like if somebody used some, you know, some wild word, uh, I don't know. I can't even think of one necessarily that I'd, I'd want to roll out there. Like, uh, Rada, what, what, well, now I can't think of it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you want to hear about how you can get the benefits of fasting without actually fasting? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's switch gears here because this is the science segment. Um, you found this really interesting article. Here's a five-day diet that mimics fasting and may reboot the body and reduce cancer risk. So there's all this stuff in the news about the benefits of fasting. So like right. some people do these four, five, even seven day fast, or maybe even longer. And I'm not talking about like a juice fast. I'm talking about like, no, just water, <laughs> you know, or tea for, for up to a week. Yeah. And they claim that this somehow like resets your immune system and it boosts up your brain function and it makes you smarter and healthier and reduces cancer risk and yada, yada. Um, well, there's a, a couple of scientists that have tested a diet that is sort of similar and gives you some of the benefits of fasting mm -hmm. without completely um, doing that. And like, you know, without totally wiping out food. Yeah. Without yeah. wiping out food and without um, uh, getting basically you eat very nutritious, nutrient dense, low calorie foods like vegetable soup and bone broth. Mm -hmm. And that gives you enough of those micronutrients to kind of keep up your levels of those. But it doesn't. Um, it doesn't give you a lot of calories. Right. So um, what they said is that, okay, there was a study published in Cell Metabolism, which is a good, very good journal. Um, participants who intermittently fasted for three months had reduced factors for an amazing range of issues, aging, cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. The number of studied participants was small, only 19 people, but the results were so promising that there was uh, more people who wanted to look into it. Co-author Walter Longos, who I, I, I've heard of and I know of, mm -hmm. who studies longevity, described the idea behind fasting as a way to reboot a person's body by clearing out damaged cells and regenerating new ones. It's about repro reprogramming the body so it enters a slower aging mode, but also rejuvenating it, he said. It's not a typical diet because it isn't something you need to stay on. It's just something you need to do once in a while. So... The fasting mimicking diet, as the researchers dubbed it, isn't quite as extreme as actual fasting. It works like this. For 25 days out of the month, dieters eat as they normally would, the good, bad, and the in-between. Then on day one of the diet, they would only eat 1,090 calories, 10% protein, 56% fat, 34% carbs. For days two through five, it goes down to 725 calories, 9% protein, 44% fat, 47% carbs. In the study, participants consumed a lot of vegetable soup, kale crackers, and chamomile tea. So basically, you're just drinking a lot of <laughs> liquids. Yeah. But, you know, you get some of those nutrients from the vegetables in the soup, the kale. And then if it's bone broth, that's incredibly nutritious. It gives you lots of like, um, you know, collagen and minerals, magnesium and calcium and all the stuff in the bones and healthy omega-3 fats and all this good stuff. And at the end of the study, even though they only did this for, for five days and they didn't completely not eat any food, they had uh, the study participants had decreased risk factors and biomarkers for disease with no major adverse side effects. Now, I've, I've heard with this that people will do it. They'll do it for five days, like at the end of the month. 
Mm-hmm. And supposedly the rest of the month, they just eat shit. Like, like they eat whatever they want. <laughs> Is that want. what happens when you don't get your paycheck until the first of the month that you're living paycheck? To <laughs> oh, all I can afford is soup this time. No, yeah, bone broth is kind of that, expensive. But, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that that's, that's what people can do. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued uh, by this. Not that I want to go eat a bunch of crap. I mean, Do you because... want to try this, Brian? Yeah, I, we can I would try, try it. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm I curious how it. it works out. There's also this thing called like the Newcastle diet. Or Have you heard of this? Um, it was developed in Newcastle, which is a city in, oh my God, somewhere in the UK. I don't yeah, I don't I've know heard where. of the White Castle diet. I've never heard of the Newcastle <laughs> the White diet. Castle. That's burgers. <laughs> yeah. Newcastle diet was basically for diabetic people and it's a very low calorie diet. And basically, if you can get them to lose one gram of abdominal fat that's around their pancreas, mm-hmm. it essentially reverses diabetes, type 2 diabetes. That's incredible. But it's a very low-calorie diet, and so you have to stick with it. And you're eating, like, 800 calories a day. stick with it forever. For, like, a month. Over a month. So, anyway, I think we'll try it and report back. This Wild is Sex diets. and Science Hour. Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. Seth so here with long. you. Oh, I know. This is getting ridiculous, but I'm not ready to change it yet. You know, just a little check-in about our show. I think I think the show's going well so far. We This will be coming out in, I guess, the beginning of May. Yes. So at this point, we'll have been doing the show for about, what is this? It'll season? be a full month. This is season two, April episode five. So yeah, yeah it's going to be a month of the show. And I have to say, like, we're we're actually getting some people shopping through our Amazon link, which yeah. is how we which is our major business plan for the show and how we want to support us and get paid for doing the show. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yep, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. We've got our website up. It's not much, you know, it's not like a huge complicated website, but we've got all of our shows posted there and we're getting a little bit of traffic to our website. Yep. Um, and we're getting some people contacting us through the website. So I think things are off to a really good start. I mean, if we can just scale up the Amazon stuff a little bit more, we'll be hitting our goal for what we want to make to, you know, get compensated for the time we put into the show. And I think I really like that approach of um, doing the after show where we talk about the stuff that people bought on the Amazon link so that oh, they can be like feel like they're part of the show. Of course, we take tips too. you know, we we got one Bitcoin tip so far, which we really <laughs> appreciate. You can always send us a Bitcoin tip. I just put a um, Bitcoin donation address on the website. And I also put a PayPal donate link in case you want to do that. And we certainly appreciate those. And we'll, we'll always take, um, you know, donations and tips that would, that would definitely make our day and make us happy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, if you want to, if you want to be on our after show, you just need to go through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and, and shop. Yeah. And you can also email the show with questions. We haven't really gotten Oh yeah. Much, we were uh, going to do relationship questions and stuff. Yeah. So we haven't gotten too many of those, but um, we're definitely accepting submissions. So if you yeah. want us, if you want our opinions on something. Submit. No, <laughs> there is a contact form on our website that you can do anonymously or you can uh, just email us directly at show at sex and science Absolutely. So, Brian, can we this talk is about cool. sex now? Or no? Yes, we're going to talk about sex right okay. now. Okay, All right. Let's this do it. Is, the donation talk is over. Woo. We're going to talk about sex. So this was actually sent in by a listener through our contact form on our website. Apparently, like. This is just, this blows my mind. It's really cool. Apparently, when a sperm meets an egg. Okay. When a man <laughs> loves a woman. When a tadpole <laughs> finds a circular orb. <laughs> 
When a sperm and an egg meet and fertilization of, of the zygote occurs, there is a bright flash of light. It's like life what? starts off with a bang. So wait, I guess wait, so like bioluminescence of some kind? Yeah. There's like literal fireworks when that happens. That's amazing. I can like all the hentai I've watched <laughs> where when you know, when this kind of stuff happens and suddenly there's like this you know and then like yeah, the, there's that's like exactly this explosion what it's like. of light there really is <laughs> yeah the japanese know they know everything yeah they know what they're talking about <laughs> so this is by sarah napton at the telegraph.co.uk human life begins in a bright flash of light as a sperm meets an egg scientists have shown for the first time capturing the astonishing fireworks on film i can't believe nobody filmed this before or nobody like thought to do it in a way that would capture the flash of light but anyway an explosion of tiny sparks erupts from the egg at the exact moment of conception Scientists have seen the phenomenon occur in other animals, but it's the first time it's also been shown to happen in humans. Not only is it an incredible spectacle highlighting the very moment a new life begins, but the size of the flash can be used to determine the quality of the fertilized egg. Wow. Researchers from Northwestern University in Chicago noticed that some eggs burn brighter than others, showing that they're more likely to produce a healthy baby. Ah, no, no, hold on. (laughs) I know from Blade Runner. That the candle that burns twice as bright burns out (laughs) twice as quickly. Something like that. Yeah. Um, The discovery could help fertility doctors pick the best fertilized eggs during in vitro fertilization. And uh, so what happens is it it has something to do with zinc. The the zinc radiates out um, from the point where the sperm meets the egg. You mean like stuff that cleans pennies? Um, Yeah. Zinc. Cleans pennies. Sorry, yeah, there's a... probably some reaction. I forget what it is. Okay, well, it doesn't doesn't light off any copper. fireworks, but it's pretty cool. It does this time. All right, <laughs> keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Um, apparently, about fifty percent of fertilized eggs do not develop properly uh, with in vitro fertilization, and they're looking for ways to check for the best eggs. And apparently, these flashes of light could be uh, the way to determine the health of an egg. That. You know, seriously, that is wild. Yeah. I mean, not they have that... some pictures of it here. It looks like basically like a solar eclipse wow. where you know, the sun goes or the a lunar. Wait, no, a solar eclipse where this moon goes in front of the sun. Man, that, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words. Like, not that I want to like, you know, somehow. I mean, obviously, there's no way a human can see this in action without. Well, you could if you were watching it in a microscope in a, or if you yeah, just watch their the movies. They, I'm sure they have videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I'll do that. I don't want to try any like home experiments. I mean, I can't <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> Hooray You're for the yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love them. The bright flash occurs because the sperm enters an egg. The bright flash occurs because when the sperm enters an egg, it leads to a surge of calcium, which triggers the release of zinc from the egg. As the zinc shoots out, there's things shooting out everywhere. <laughs> it binds to small molecules, which emit a fluorescence, which can be picked up by camera microscopes. That, yeah. That is so cool. Let there be light. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, that's just a little cool story that was sent in by our listener. I mean, I'm in awe. Like, like I that, know. That's I think really it's really such cool. a wild thing to consider uh, that, that 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 happens. Mm-hmm. You know? Life is pretty, pretty amazing. Yes. So. Anyway, um, does that happen in other species? Yes, they, it said that they've known about it in other animals for a long time. What but the fuck? This Why is... didn't they tell me? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know about it either. I guess it was and a well kept secret for shit's sake. Yeah, I didn't even know about that. God so hey, you right. learn something new every day. That's true. So 
I, we were going to talk about the modeling agency that specializes in ugly people, but I can't pull up this article. I'm thinking maybe it's an old one and it's the link changed or something <laughs> like that. So I guess we'll have to save that. And Not now we just teased is, it. Yeah. Wow. Maybe they're out of business. Maybe they're just done. Hey, that's what, you know, didn't, one of these days, uh, Mashables is going to, Mashable will go under and then like suddenly. <laughs> what, let's take predictions for that. When do you think Mashable is going to go under? Well, I mean, maybe they're a little, what's probably going to happen is they get bought out. Ah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, I can't believe that even if they got bought out, say Verizon buys them out, kind of like Verizon bought AOL, which owns TechCrunch and a bunch of others. Um, like th- those web pages just can't sit there forever. Like, I mean, this is, you know, we are talking, I mean, there's a genuine problem with all of this. Like mm-hmm. with search itself, Google almost literally stores entire copies of the internet. You know, and that's how search yeah, works. That sounds pretty centralized, doesn't it? Well, it's not just centralized, but like that that's impossible to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at the rate that these things get created. Um, I mean, and even Facebook can't handle what it's doing on servers. Facebook of uh, irony of ironies. <laughs> and of course, listeners of Sovereign Tech probably know what I'm going to say, but whatever. Irony of ironies. All these companies that tell you, store everything in the cloud, store everything in the cloud. It'll be fine. Just store it. We keep it with us. You want to keep your pictures with us on Facebook? Please keep your pictures with us. And you'd think, oh, well, it's nice, safe and safe and cozy on some server. They're saying, don't put anything on physical media. That's what they're telling you, the consumer, you, the customer, right? Right. They store all their backup stuff on Blu-rays. <laughs> they're telling you, don't buy Blu-rays. Uh, Just go with digital movies, you know, and all the this hypocrisy. shit. Yeah, they get to store everything on Blu-rays. Oh, but the people, no, no, you just trust us with it and all this crap. So, I mean, they can't even handle all the data that gets out there. So, sooner or later, I mean, you know, people say, well, once it's on the internet, it's there forever. No. Yeah, yeah no. no, not really. Only the things you don't want to hang around are there forever. Yeah. <laughs> the things yeah. you do want are gone. <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, um, we'll check back later for that article. But right now, I actually have another sex article that oh, we can fantastic. talk about instead. Would you like to do that? Yes, let's do that. Let's okay, cool. Sex. So this is from Psychology Today, and it's called What Type of Casual Sex Are People Actually Having? Studies Find a Potentially Major Shift in Casual Sex Practices. Now, if you listen to the media, and if you listen to maybe like folks of an older generation, we just to put things in context, we are around age 30 to 30 to 35 yep. age bracket. Um, I guess we are sort of older millennials is what you would call us. Yeah, or maybe you, just you eke, might be generation. No, I just eke into millennial with 1981. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know where the, the lines are, but we're definitely kind of older millennial or very young gen. Not you couldn't call us well, Gen X. You know, it's actually not to get into a sidetrack. But we fit, I think you and I and anybody in our, our age bracket from like, let's say 81 to 86, something like that, mm-hmm. right? Or 80 to 86, something like that. There is a generation, maybe even goes a little bit further, where you are, where you have lived a pretty full life minus the internet. Right. Uh, you know, but then you've also lived a very full life with, with the, the internet. And mm-hmm. those, that is an incredibly rare human uh, generation. Uh, I mean, it's yes, almost, it's almost like its own species. Mad science. No, it really like, like, yeah. <laughs> and we're right on that edge. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's right. crazy because I think that those people have this, they're going to be the saviors of mankind. And I'm not speaking that for, for myself. No, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you so because humble. <laughs> no, I, and I'm not saying it's going to be me. I'm just saying people within that are going to be the ones that, that, that really like, yeah, well, hopefully get all this together because it's one perspective. I, I guess. It, yeah, I mean, my perspective, but, Anyway, sorry, I, I got off on a sidetrack. I just think that those people are very are very rare, uh, and they have very unique perspectives that no one else has. 
Right. So anyway, if you listen to older folks talking about people of our generation, Mm -hmm. what do they say? They usually, well, I mean... Back in my day? Yeah, but it usually is accompanied by things like back in my day. But, I mean, generally you hear stuff about millennials. The the number one thing is they're lazy. They're lost. They don't have a purpose in life. They haven't found themselves. They've been coddled by their parents. Uh They've, their helicopter parents, you know, coddling their babies or whatever. Right. Um, That's one thing you hear. But then you also hear about hookup culture, Right. Yes. That these young people, especially in college, are just fucking everybody and they're hooking up and it's disgusting. And people in this generation are having way too much sex and they're having more sex than we ever would have because they're just they have loose morals and that's bad. Right. Right. Well, apparently that's Guilty not charged, that's not actually true. <laughs> what? Um, Oh, another thing is that basically that goes along with they're not in committed relationships, right? They're Ah. having sex out. They're having casual sex. And that's bad. That's what I meant to say earlier. Okay. So what is that actually true? When people talk about sex, according to Psychology Today, uh, Jana Vranglova, PhD, when people talk about sex outside of a relationship... A one-night stand with someone you just met is typically the first thing that comes to mind. It's the most iconic mention of casual sex and perhaps the most uncomplicated, clear-cut case. But it's also the rarest form of casual sex. So they're saying one-night stands are rare. Okay. The rarest form of casual sex. In 2009, a research team at Indiana University, and I think this is from Debbie Herbenick. Yeah, she's a pretty famous sexologist. Um, a research team took undertook an impressive sex study surveying a nationally representative sample of 5,000 U.S. adults from age 18 to 94. <laughs> in a 2010 paper published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine based on the sample, lead author Debbie Herbenick and her colleagues reported on the characteristics of last partnered sex, so the last time you had sex with a partner, among the almost 2,000 adults aged 18 to 59 who had at least one partnered sex experience in the past year. As the graph below shows, a slight majority of people had their most recent sexual encounter with a relationship partner. That would be a spouse, domestic partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, or significant other. And the mo- the next most frequent category was with a casual dating partner, identified or defined as, quote, someone I am casually dating slash hanging out with, followed by a friend. Only 8% of women and 11% of men reported that their most recent sex was with someone they just met, which makes up about 23% of all non-relationship partners. The vast majority of casual partners were some were someone that they had known longer than a day. Wow. Yeah. So, so people... So they're sleeping with their friends. They're sleeping with their friends, basically. Or their friends with the people they're sleeping with. Friends with benefits. Bunch of FWBs. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So people are not just meeting and hooking up. Right. You know, and I guess this study was done like before Tinder, but I kind of doubt that things have changed that much. Like, I just don't know too many people or, and it's definitely not my experience either. Like, I don't... For me, I like to know somebody before I feel attracted to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's abnormal. Like, I get more attracted to somebody as I get to know them. And if you've just met somebody, yeah, might you maybe you think they're pretty, but it's just, I don't know, it's hard to imagine just doing it with them without really knowing anything about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's an interesting point. Like, I mean, I've thought that way in the in the past to where, like, I have a hard time, like, blurring the lines of, like, where does a friendship, you know, where, how does that 
why why doesn't a friendship like include sex at times like yeah sometimes they might and that's what the study is showing it i mean it's, yeah. it's actually really interesting because even your life partners should be in my opinion should be your best friend your best friend so yeah. you are my best friend you're mine absolutely Aww. yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I mean this is very believable and i don't think there's anything wrong with it yeah absolutely um they actually even included in this study people who had had sex with sex workers because there's a category called transactional and that's very low it's like you know 1% or something like that 1 to 3% of people their last sex partnered sex was with a, a sex worker um, but yeah it, like someone they just met it was like less than 10% of well, people with a little help really from my friends is the red pack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Sex and Science Hour after shows coming up thanks for listening you've just heard Sex and Science Hour Game over. Play again next week. I have been using an app to message, but first of all, welcome to the after show. Yes. Thank you for sticking with us. Brian and I have been using an app to message each other called Line. It's huge in Japan. It, it That's literally what you is huge say in Japan. Line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like, as in, if if you are in Southeast Asia and you don't use Line or WeChat, like, you're you not won't getting, be able to communicate. You're just not communicating. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean it's it is a great app. Oh, um, tons of fun. It has the best stickers. Like that's basically what sold me they, on it. They and, just came out with Kirby stickers. Yeah, and oh. that's why I was bringing it up because they have Kirby stickers, like Kirby's. Uh, what? Yeah, Kirby's Epic Yarn. Uh, Kirby's. <laughs> I mean, Kirby's Big Adventure. Is that well, another no, uh, one? Well, yeah. Kirby's Adventure, Adventures in Dreamland. Kirby in Dreamland, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, there Kirby's was a, my like my favorite. Oh, Kirby is uh, Nintendo just, character. Uh, yeah, fucking adorable. Yeah, like, him and so cute. Yeah, I love Kirby. Him and Meta Knight, they're great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and then um, Line has Kirby stickers, and yep. so we've been sending each other. Brian's been sending me Kirby stickers every day, and it is so <laughs> fucking cute. It just makes me, it makes my day. Kirby. <laughs> and then I reply to him with other stickers, like they have grilled cheese, they have like a grilled cheese sticker, and they have a bear and a bunny that are that like hug each other. They like yeah, just Choco mush and together, brown. and then like yeah. hearts come out. It is so freaking cute. <laughs> they have Star Wars stickers too. That's fun. And you got like you had to buy those Kirby stickers, and you could buy them because you had coins online, right? Yeah, well, I had they have some like their own coins. little in in game currency. Yeah, well, that's how they make money. Is that they don't make money by selling you to off to coins. advertisers. They do it by these stickers and by like they have games and all. This I'm other stuff. fine with that business model. Yeah. So am I. It's actually a great one, and and they make great stuff. Like there's you know you there's an entire line ecosystem that you could comp- your phone could completely exist within, and you'd be fine. I mean, you can do video calls, phone calls, and it's all encrypted, and it's really great. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. while we were listening to that. Music, music i was imagining myself as kirby and i was dancing as kirby does with like his one finger pointed up in the air like spinning around and like sticking his little foot out yeah 
it was really fun. And then he swallows something, or it swallows something up and takes on its power. And yeah. little did I know, you were creating the clouds for Kirby to prance around on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you were farting, That's, right? <laughs> yeah, I just got that. I was like, wait a minute, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, right. Making the, the methane clouds like on the moon of Titan. <laughs> You know, that's the sign of true love when you're comfortable talking about anything, including farts. Yeah, it's true. And you know, speaking of Moon of Titan, they, yeah. they just discovered, they were wondering, because there's lakes of methane. Yeah, on Europa, on, right? No, or, no, oh, no, Titan. Titan. Yeah. What is Titan and a moon of? Titan is a moon of... What planet? I was going to say... I was just going to say Uranus, but <laughs> uh, Saturn. Titan Uranus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Titan is the moon of Saturn, cool. Yeah, uh, but anyway, Titan, they, they discovered that the reason that these lakes, because everybody's wondering how do these things keep getting refilled? Well, apparently it rains, you know, cats and dogs on, on Titan, but it's raining methane, of course. Uh, wow, so, but that's, that's a pretty crazy new discovery. to picture. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you had the opportunity to go to, like, let's say Mars or one of the moons of Mars, Phobos or something, would you go? Yeah, I would. Yes. What about the Earth moon, Luna? Yep, I'd, I'd hit that. Or maybe... <laughs> You'd hit that? I'd, I'd, I'd hit Great. that. Great, good to know. Or maybe I'd hit the other Earth moon. There's another one? <laughs> there's there's a theory that there is actually another moon of... There, there oh, is yeah, actually, why don't we see it? Is it because the Earth is flat? It's because it's because the Vatican controls it, and it's, it's oh running my God. in like, like perpetual... Th- what I, a bunch I think of they shit. even they call it Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the moon. Okay. But anyway, uh, I mean, there are actual... Like, there are other bodies, celestial bodies, of course, there are more asteroids, that actually do have an orbit around the Earth. Hmm. Uh, so in, in a very technical sense, we do have more moons. There's garbage, too, isn't there, in orbit? Like space junk? Well, we junk we've put up there. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. Man-made yeah, yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah, well, there's tons of Woman that. It's, it's actually a problem. Um, yeah. I know people get all, you know, in a tissy when somebody mentions like environmentalism, but uh, space junk is a genuine concern if you ever want to leave the planet. How did it get up there? Did what someone just launch it into space? Because yeah. because they were like, oh, we're, there's nowhere to put this on Earth. No. We'll just put it up in space. No, yeah. <laughs> like, no, what yeah. if it falls down? <laughs> no, it, it's it's just it's just satellites. It's just a bunch of different stuff that doesn't get used anymore. And oh. that was on an orbit that didn't allow it to decay into, you know, crashing into the Earth. Oh, I see. By, and it's not know. worth retrieving. Right. Because it's junk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued by the idea. I'm picturing people like launching landfill contents, landfill well, contents yeah, into no, space. I mean, there, there's a part of me that always like, and granted, maybe I watched Superman 4 a few too many times when I was a kid, uh, where he like tosses all the nuclear weapons into the sun, you know, Superman does. And I'm like, yeah, you know, why can't we just send all that junk right into the sun? And, yeah. You know, and, and that'd be fine. Problem but, solved. But part of the problem is, is that, you know, there's plenty of flights, plenty of rockets that don't get off the earth very well and then all that junk could just start raining down that that might be a problem yikes yeah that would be a problem but you know our listeners don't buy junk what do they right speaking of stuff and junk (laughs) um this is not junk um we're going to go through our amazon stuff and by the way in case you're new to the after show or new to the show in general um we do our regular show and we don't put advertising and you know uh product placement stuff in there or yet, affiliate links or ever. yet or possibly ever if we can make this work what we do is instead we do an after show and we promote our shop link which is stuff stuff.sexandsciencehour.com which yes. takes you to amazon where you can get anything and uh <laughs> and uh, you can shop on amazon and eventually it ends up in our little 
queue of things that people purchased where we can see what people bought, but we can't see who bought it. And so then we read it and we talk about it and we speculate on <laughs> on it and why they and bought we it. Yes, who bought And this? we psychoanalyze them a little bit and we, you know, <laughs> yeah, we have we fun. We trash talk them we, when we get off the air. And, yeah, no, no. you know. <laughs> yeah. We talk about similar stuff. And I mean, people like it because it's like it's interesting to see what other people are shopping for. I agree. And like it's different every time. So it's not like it's the same ad over and over again. You're not going to get bored by it like we talked about in the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's entertaining and hopefully it makes you want to be a part of it, which you can be by just doing your normal shopping through our link, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Right on. So what did they get? Um. I felt like I was just doing a car commercial right then. <laughs> like before we did the show, I was doing an audition for this great job, the voiceover job, because I'm a voice actor. That's mostly that's my main gig, mostly what I do all day. And uh, I was auditioning for this job doing car spots or spots for a car dealership. And Brian was like listening to me do it. And he's like, oh, my God, you're perfect. I just picked, closed my eyes and I'm picturing the TV is on. Yeah, and, I figured it was going to go right back to watching Batman, like after the, the commercial was done. <laughs> I wish I could pull up this line. I mean, it was just an incredibly, it was a tongue twister. Let's put it this way. Yes. It was like, it was like drive a four by four cab with a 1.8 liter V8 engine or something. Yeah, but it, it was, was like, like way longer than that. And you had to get squish it into 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and like even the name, you had to say like Drexler, Honda, There were Nissan, like four something. different types yeah, of cars really... that they sell at this dealership. So it yeah. was like a five word name of the place. Yeah. So they're making us work for the money. I mean, it's not like voice acting is an awesome job. I'm so glad that I've done this. I, I'm, I love it. I am so grateful for my work. Yes. I love my job every single day. I want to do it every day. Um, but I mean, one thing that people don't always realize is that there is a lot more to it than just talking into a microphone. Yeah. You know, um, I've done a lot of training and education about how to how to do commercials and stuff and how to act. Right. I didn't I didn't go to school for acting. I need help with that. So I've tried to educate myself about it. Yeah. Not saying I'm an expert, but I'm learning and I'm trying. And so. Yeah, I mean, it, it it does take a certain you have to voice commercials a certain way because they have to fit within a time frame. They have to fit within 30 or 60 seconds exactly because that's what the spots are. That's how they're sold on the TV or radio. And so you really have to and they always give you more copy or more words in the script than mm. you can possibly really fit in <laughs> in 30 or 60 seconds by talking at a normal pace. So you have to find creative ways to do it, like not taking a breath between lines. And it's just like sometimes you feel like you're speaking for 30 seconds without taking a breath, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it can be really fun to do that. And it's it's fun to watch. It, for me, it's fun to even watch commercials. Like when I was a kid, I would watch TV a lot. And I always actually liked the commercials better than the shows. Because they were, you know, when you have only 30 or 60 seconds to make a point, it's usually funny or memorable or interesting or something cool. So, yeah, yeah, commercials have always been really entertaining to me. So, yeah, now I get to be the voice of some of them. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, with whatever I was just saying where I felt like I was doing a car ad. um, Anyway, we got a lot to cover. We have a lot of people buying stuff through our link, which is awesome. We love that. Um, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com one more time let's start in the baby department (laughs) baby department yes somebody got a three pack of onesies i mean amazon's great to get baby stuff you know they had this thing for a while called amazon mom did you hear about that and there were a lot of people the only people i knew who were participating in it were not moms they were like single guys it was so funny and it was like you know you basically get groceries for 
I don't know, some kind of a discount or something. The more you buy, the more discount you get. It's kind of like subscribe and save, I think. Yeah. I don't know if they still have it or if they discontinued that, but that was Amazon Mom. But um, anyway, this is a three-pack of onesies made by Gerber. I didn't know Gerber made clothes for babies. I thought they just made baby food. Well, they might as well. I mean, they got the brand name, so mm, go yeah. for it. I know. They're known for baby stuff. Wow. I guess people are really listening to the uh, sex part of the show. Oh, because then they need baby stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, that that was one of the only baby things, I think, that was bought um, through this link. So now we'll go more into the adult thing. Um, we've got a, a belt, leather belt, top grain leather ratchet belt with raw buckle. Wow. Now, this could be used to hold someone's pants up or it could be used maybe for kink and bdsm <laughs> hey all right this is a really nice belt it's a 60 dollars belt it's a men's uh ratchet belt so like basically you pull it and it ratchets right like you don't uh, okay. it doesn't have like a hole that it goes through or maybe it does but it's hidden it uh, you, you don't see the conventional belt buckle on audible we had an audible audiobook so i haven't seen people buy any of my audiobooks through this link but that's totally fine um they instead they got an audiobook called a short history of nearly everything which sounds interesting wow i like that sure oh wait i think i've heard of that book but anyway yeah it sounds familiar to me too who's but, the uh, author did, did it say you know i tried to pull up the page and it must have changed or something since yeah, they bought it because it. it didn't actually come up so i have don't have that information in front of me right no now no problem <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing to get, a good short history of nearly everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone got a clipper. Now, this could be used for multiple things. You could totally use it. It's a wall professional 8355 designer clipper. Oh, for like $40. Hair. Gotcha. Yeah, for hair, for hair. Yeah. I mean, you could use this. It looks like you could use this for anything. You could use this for beard, sideburns. I feel like we have lots of males like shopping through this link, which is fine. Yeah, you know, there's okay. just a bunch of masculine things that were bought, except for maybe the baby stuff. I don't know what kind of baby that was. But <laughs> um, anyway, you could use these clippers for your hair. Yes. You could also use them for other types of hair. Ah. You probably use it for anywhere on your body, but you could, I mean, it looks like. I might be wrong, but probably about the size that you might want to use on your pubes. All right. Straight up. I use a pair of clippers on my... I do too. Yeah. I mean, I'm way more into that than waxing and shaving. Yeah, absolutely. I just it... like to keep it a little trim. You oh, yeah. I don't want it to be necessarily bare because then there's, you know, things get rough. And waxing is really involved. I mean, it's okay to do sometimes. I like to wax sometimes. And when I wax, I have an at-home waxing kit. I could promote that. I use the Gigi. They have like a... Gigi has like a, a wax warmer. G-G-G-I-G-I. -I. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, they have like a wax warmer. They have a whole kit. It's a wax warmer and it's like honey wax, which you would use like on your legs. And then they have um, strips that you use to pull the wax off. Right. And they have applicators. And then they have like, they also have other stuff too, where you clean off your skin with one lotion and then you like dust it with powder to make the hairs grip better. It gets a really good smooth wax. It lasts for like a month. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. But then like on coarser hair, like your armpits or your bikini area, you use a different kind of wax, which is hard wax, which doesn't need those strips to pull it off. You just literally can grab the wax and just pull it off. But you have to be brave because, I mean, it takes a little bit of, 
dare I, dare I say balls uh, to do this. Balls. Don't do it on balls. <laughs> it takes courage. How about that? It, it, you mm. could do it on balls if you wanted to. You can do it on any type of part. And I've done it on all parts. <laughs> but, done it on someone's balls? No, I haven't done it on your oh, balls. Okay. I haven't no, done it on anyone no. else's balls. But I've done it on my parts. And yeah. it takes guts. It takes courage. But once you do it, you get a completely smooth wax. And it's awesome. I mean, even just like inner thighs, like it's just there's something about knowing that you're going to be feeling pain on a sensitive area that makes you not want to rip it off and do it. But the first time you do it is the worst. And if you do it regularly after that, it doesn't hurt as much. And and it's also like warm. So it kind of relaxes your skin. And I mean, it's really it, it really doesn't hurt that much, especially when you're waxing less sensitive stuff like your legs. That yeah. doesn't that really doesn't hurt very much. Fair. OK. But like I've waxed my armpits. And some people wouldn't do that because that's, well, first of all, it means you have to grow out the hair. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) And most people don't want to grow out the hair. But it's amazing when they're completely smooth and you don't have to worry about shaving them. No hair for days, for weeks. Yeah, I have to shave. I I do. I shave my armpits and I have to shave them like every few days. But the hair on those grows back the fastest. That's the downside. So it's kind of like you got to enjoy it while it lasts. It definitely lasts longer than a shave. But anyway, that's what I use for waxing. And I do it at home. And I think it saves money compared to going to get waxed somewhere. I've only done that a few times, like gone to a salon and got my legs waxed, but definitely it's more fun to do it at home. I even had a waxing party with a friend once. We were we got on Skype. Mm. She didn't she doesn't live around here. So we got on Skype and she got the same waxing kit as me. And we got on Skype and we talked and we waxed our legs. It was really fun. <laughs> That's I, awesome. You know, there are times in my life where I would have never thought I'd be doing something like that, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally had fun. The boys of Microsoft, <laughs> thank you. creepers anyway um okay so this is interesting um now we've had some really interesting calendars in our home in the past in fact we had a calendar called the nice jewish guys calendar yes (laughs) and every month is a nice jewish guy it's so funny it's just like a picture of somebody in a sweater and they're like clearly jewish guys and they're there's like a little fake bio of them i'm sure it's fake but uh, i am not on there well, you could be on there. I mean, ah. you're, you're every month in my nice Jewish guy's calendar. Thank you. But anyway, this person got a Fender calendar. So Fender? The, so it has a different... Oh, like the guitar? Yeah, Fender like the guitars. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it has like a different guitar shot every month. Nice. Hell yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It is great. Yeah. Um, what else do we got? We Little gadgets can, or Lil Gadgets Connect Plus Volume Limited Wired Headphones for Children. Hmm. So I guess another baby thing or child thing but basically these are like small headphones that limit the the volume so that you you're not blowing out the kids ears which maybe we need those in the studio (laughs) because i try really hard to keep the volume turned down low in the studio monitors Mm -hmm. but i am actually afraid that my hearing is going to go after 20 years of doing this you know what i mean i just keep i just try really hard to keep the volume turned low most people when they start off on radio or podcast they either have the volume deafeningly loud or they don't use monitors at all, which are both bad. Right. You should do it, but you should do it with the lowest volume you can get away with and still hear yourself right. talking and be able to monitor how it's coming out and make sure you're on the microphone and using good mic technique and so forth. Because when people don't monitor themselves, they kind of just talk like over here and it doesn't even get picked <laughs> up on the microphone. It's just like, well, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't want that. You want to talk. You want to be on that mic directly. So... Yeah, so um so volume limited headphones. That's that's interesting. That's a good one. Um okay. So I have a confession to make. This section is is interesting. 
Okay. Because <laughs> this is a bunch of wireless mice. Huh. Okay. Um, and not just wireless mice, wireless noiseless mice. Oh, I know what that's for. Yes. And the, the confession is that I actually have some of my personal af- affiliate links that I put in my voiceover blog mm-hmm. mixed in with some of these sex and science hour links because I didn't separate the tra- tracking codes. Nah. But I know these are from my voiceover website because I blogged about noiseless mice. And that's a popular blog post on my site that gets a lot of clicks. SMVoice.info. SMVoice.info. Yeah. Right. I really need to update my website. Maybe by the time the show comes out, I will have updated it. I hope I hope so. But even if not, there's still a lot of content on there. I've written a yeah. lot over the years about about voiceover, about making audiobooks, about all kinds of stuff and projects I've done, of course, and my demos. And you can see all that stuff on there. But one of the blog posts I wrote that got popular was about Noiseless Mice. I did a review. And uh, the two, I think I reviewed three of them. One was the Kenobo Silent Click Blue Wireless Mouse, which is uh, which is a noiseless mouse that I use. I use that for my for my backup one because mm-hmm. it was good, but it wasn't great. You know, wasn't perfectly noiseless. It wasn't perfectly noiseless, and it was just kind of crappy. Like it crapped out after a year or two, and it runs out of batteries fast. Right. So, my main workhorse and the one that I'm using right now, actually, to do this show, is let's see. Oh, yep, that's it. It's the noiseless USB optical gaming computer wheel mouse, 1600 DPI, super quiet, JNL 101K, and it's in black. That's that's a mouthful, but that's the one I use. Just look for JNL101K. And that works for gaming? Noiseless mouse. It's a gaming mouse. Yeah, it's meant oh. for gaming because, you know, there's some, like, a lot of the reviews on this product, they actually say stuff like, oh, my gosh, this saved my marriage. <laughs> because it's like a guy or maybe a woman who's up all night playing computer games oh. and then their spouse is trying to sleep and they keep hearing click, 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 click. Yeah, see, you know, gaming, I, <laughs> I like a good solid click. Like, I know, I, I would hear... think that too. You want to hear that feedback, Same but with on a nobody else wants to hear it. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, right. I really like clacky keyboards where yeah. it's just like... Yeah, yeah, I want to hear that sound. I don't there know if is. you can hear that, but <laughs> that's, that's the sound I like to make when I type because I, I want to hear when I'm pressing the key and I've, I've pressed it right. Yeah. It's almost like haptic feedback on a phone, I guess. But um, All right. But yeah, so that mouse is pretty popular. There were actually like several of those purchased and several clicks. It got It got like, I don't know, I'm seeing it's got like, you know, 60... 80 clicks on it. So hmm. lots of people click. Not everybody buys, but some people buy. And also the the other interesting thing is people also bought other noiseless mice. There's, I guess, maybe a new one or a couple of new ones that weren't on the market when I wrote the blog post, but that maybe people found when they were looking for a, a wireless mouse or a no, sorry, a noiseless mouse. One of them is the Schmouse. Schmouse? <laughs> the Schmouse. The Schmouser? Yeah, the Schmouse wireless, wireless silent mouse. Uh, 90% Schmouse. noise reduction. That got some good ratings. That's a $15 model, and it's wireless and noiseless. I don't know how good that is. I haven't tested it out, but somebody bought that probably okay. from, from my blog post. And then um, there's a couple other ones that... Pi- Oh, no, this is just an SD card. Never mind. That's not a mouse. <laughs> I thought it was. It's the Patriot LX series SD card. Nice. If you're curious. But the other one is the Kensington Kensington Silent Mouse for Life. For Life. For Life. <laughs> it's a Kensington, Kensington Silent Mouse for Life wired USB mouse in black. 
And Kensington is a brand that had made other wireless mice that I think I've used before. Um, But a couple people bought uh, Kensington mice as well. Is that the same Kensington that makes like RAM and... Probably. Yeah, Yeah, I'm guessing. That's a cheaper model. It's $12. Um, It just doesn't look as good or as heavy duty as the one I've got, the uh, JNL 101K, which I'm really happy with. But I mean... Clearly, people have found a variety of things that work for them, and they buy it through this link. So no, Kensington's cool. a great company. I still their HyperX RAM is still the best RAM on the market. In my yeah, opinion. I I really stick by it uh, for for years now. I've used uh, HyperX RAM. Absolutely. So, yeah. Somebody bought a hundred dollar PlayStation gift card. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah! PlayStation all the way. PS4 such a hit. I've never played PlayStation. What do you like about it? What's your favorite thing about it? Uh, well, I don't. Okay, so full disclosure, I haven't owned a PlayStation since the PS2. Okay, um, I that's, did not get. That's the, fine. Yeah, the PS3 I thought was a little bit of a flop, even though I was excited about Blu-ray. Uh, the PS4 right now is a major hit for a couple reasons. The main one is is that it it really supported indie games like uh-huh. indie developers, which I'm an indie game developer, so of course I love that. Um, they did a really good job with that. You the, are. You've got two games so far: yep. Hypercronius and Ninja Trek, and yep. they're both awesome. Yeah, go to zog.ninja <laughs> if you want to buy those. Mm-hmm. Um, They'll be out. On on mobile soon too yes uh so um but but with PlayStation, like the original playstation was you know cd-rom games it was 3d right and, and part of the beauty of that was that it brought like it kind of caught on it you had this full motion video craze in the 90s with pc gaming and that the PlayStation, along with like the 3DO and some others, the PlayStation ended up getting a couple of really good like characters like uh, Crash Bandicoot and, and Spyro. Um, they Crash Bandicoot, what a great name! Oh, it was awesome. Uh, they brought all of those advantages of PC gaming to a home console. And while I don't think it's better than like the N64 or mm-hmm. anything that Nintendo's ever done, um, it's you know, I mean, there, there was a real advantage to that. And the PS2, a lot of people say, is like the greatest game system that'll ever get released. Uh, I mean, it was it was being developed. It was like the Windows XP of consoles. It was getting developed and, and sold for like over a decade. I mean, that's that's insane for a game console. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, k- kudos. PlayStation is really good. But just because Sony really learned their lesson and they are supporting indie developers and they're bringing real value uh, to, you know, to people. And, and they're also, I think they're going to be the company, uh, they're, they're doing VR and it's VR that connects to the place, to the PS4. So I think they're going to be the real Trojan horse of, of virtual reality. So, huh. Fascinating. Yeah, PlayStation's good. Anyway. Cool. So, and the, um, another thing that somebody bought is one of those Alexa things. They bought the Amazon tap. The tap? Yeah. Oh, they bought one of the Echoes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it is. It's, it says Amazon tap Alexa enabled portable speaker. Well, I mean, they're popular. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a particular fan. This is, this is creepy, huh? Well. Oh, wait. Unlike Amazon Echo. Yeah, this one's not so creepy. Yeah. Because you have to press a button for it to work. Right. And it's, and it's mobile. And people didn't think this would be a good idea, but clearly it's selling. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's the number one best-selling outdoor speaker. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people really thought that the tap was just like, who wants this mobile? Like, they just want the one that plugs in and connects in your house and yeah. you can yell at, and yell, yell at it and everything. But I think what people are finding out is that, no, people really want Alexa everywhere. Uh, and it says it sounds like it's mostly for playing music, like just tap. It says just tap the microphone button, ask for music from Prime Music, Spotify, Pandora, right. iHeartRadio and TuneIn. That's covering a wide range. Yeah. It streams all your music via Bluetooth from your phone or tablet, too. 
and it lasts for nine hours of battery. I mean, that's pretty good, and it's one twenty nine price point. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that, that's you know, that's what Echo's that all about. Like cool it's just thing. connecting to Amazon's ecosystem, and it, and it's becoming more and more serious. Yeah. We have this product that's not on Amazon, but it's a radio. Remember the CC wireless radio? We've got this. It's basically, uh, you know, a wireless radio. Yeah, it's Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi radio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, that does everything that, well, not everything, because you can't go to Pandora or Spotify. It's kind of a limited menu, and you can't give it voice commands, and it definitely doesn't connect via Bluetooth, and it's not mobile. The new model does. Like the newer one of the CC radio, uh, CC Wi-Fi radio does have Bluetooth. Right. But anyway, go ahead. But I feel like we paid a lot more than that, but we didn't get all those features. So, oh, well. But maybe Amazon's subsidizing it because they want to get data about everybody. <laughs> Creepy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think you're paying for <laughs> privacy. And actually, the sound that comes out of the CC radio, uh, Wi-Fi radio is like immense. And it's only one speaker. It it shocks me, actually, how good that sounds. Yeah. Another thing that was purchased that I think was from my voiceover blog mm-hmm. was this tea that I blogged about. And oh, this the, is the voice tea? This is the voice. This is, um, it's not the voice tea that maybe you're thinking of. Okay. It's Yogi Throat Comfort Tea. Now, that is a great tea for when you're when your voice is feeling kind of ragged or your throat is. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just say, first of all, that there's really nothing that you can drink or eat that is going to soothe your your voice if your larynx is what's sore from talking too much because the only thing that helps that is actually just rest silence and moisturizing by breathing in humid air Mm. um or you know what you eat and put in your body eventually will help like a day later or something but not right then when it's going past your throat because your esophagus is what that is the tube that that liquid is going down your larynx is separate from your esophagus that's your airway so it can't have water going down it so it's that tea is actually not touching your vocal cords right mm-hmm. um and it it shouldn't or else you would start coughing <laughs> yeah but if you're if you know just the inside of your mouth is tired or if you just want to sort of warm up the area any tea can be good for that but the thing is a lot of teas that have caffeine Caffeine is apparently drying to the vocal cords. It's a dehydrating agent. Mm. So that can make things worse. Um, Teas that are kind of peppery or um, cinnamon or ginger will bring more blood flow to the general area. So that can be good to to like sort of refresh it, I guess. Sure. Um, I also have a, a throat spray that I really like. It's called Singer's Saving Grace. And this is really popular among all kinds of voice professionals. That seems to do the trick when my voice is sounding ragged. Sometimes I'll use it and it makes it sound more smooth, especially for the first few lines, which is sometimes all you need. But um, I blogged about that Yogi Throat Comfort Tea once and it's got an affiliate link on my voiceover website and people buy it through that sometimes. So nice. somebody did. I hope it helps them. Since then, I have actually found a better vocal tea, which I like better because it's it's this is more of a long term thing, but it's called um, Golden Voice and it's a Chinese herbal tea. Ah. Now, the packaging, you wouldn't know. It's not very friendly to non-Chinese speaking people. I mean, you can tell it's just it looks like something you would find in an Asian store. The packaging doesn't really pop. It's not really clear exactly what benefits it has. But the herbs inside, I don't know what they do, but they do something. Because when I lose my voice, when I do a really long recording session or whatever, I drink that at the end of the day and the Mm. next day, it's way better. It just makes it way smoother. Nice. Great. So... I mean, and they and they tell you what herbs they put in it and why they put them in it in the insert in the package. So yeah, Chinese medicine. 
Ancient Chinese medicine. It's called Golden Voice, and I buy it in bulk now. <laughs> I still the... like that Yogi Throat Comfort tea. That works too, but... <laughs> nice. Yeah. Were you going to say hooray for the Chai Coms? Please don't I wasn't me. going to say it, but you said it, so... <laughs> you baited me into saying it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Okay, we do, just have a few more things. Maybe I'll save the second half yeah, of this for later. Yeah, save we'll, we... Okay, I mean, because there's so much more stuff. But um, yeah, we'll do the second half of this some other time. Yeah. Um, but it's a good problem to have that we have so many things that Absolutely. were purchased. We, we are honored, and I mean that. Um, somebody bought CR2 lithium batteries. Photo batteries. CR2? CR2? No, CR2. CR2. Duracell okay. CR2 Ultra Lithium Photo Battery. Nice. Someone so, serious. What is that? Does that run the flash on a camera or something? Uh, I'm not exactly or sure or what, something? what a CR2 does. CR2032, well, I know what that is. But Let's see. Um, this person says he uses them or she in a golf range finder that eats batteries. Nah. Um, I guess they could go in anything. It's it's a little battery for a relatively small price. That's yeah. with the title of the top review. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like CR2032s. They power BIOS, mm. you know, computer BIOS. They power the, you know, your key fob for your car. I mean, they get used for all kinds of things. Yeah, who knows? So, I mean, they could be powering a sex toy. Wouldn't that be exciting? That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and okay, here's here's how we go out. All right. Finally, some some products with a feminine flair. Woo! We Sorry, have flair. No, this is going to sound really sexist, but we have an apron set oh. with butterflies on it, glove oh. and mitt, and it's got a woman modeling them with the apron tied around her. Is she only wearing the no, apron? No, unfortunately, oh, she's got clothes on underneath it. But right. uh, <laughs> And this doesn't have to be, of course, worn by a woman, but it's, you know, it helps when you're baking, you have an apron to protect your clothes. Yeah, absolutely. And a glove and mitt set. So there you go. And it's cute. It has got like butterflies and roosters on it. Butterflies and cocks. Hmm. It's getting more and more. And then someone got matching towels for that with roosters on the towels, and they're the same color. So there you go. (laughs) Dicks everywhere. Cocks everywhere. All right. I think that's going to do it. I was born in the year of the cock. Speaking of Chinese. Oh, the Chinese. Yes, uh, that's right. Do you believe at all in zodiac stuff or astrology? I don't. I mean, I, I used to be really into it actually when I was like thirteen or fourteen years old. I read a lot of books about it. I knew how to calculate like all the signs and yeah, you, don't you still just, have some of those books. I do, I do. Yeah. Um, you don't just have a sun sign. That's like when you're. Um, that's like you know Gemini, Taurus, right. Virgo, that kind of thing. Those are your sun signs based on the month that you're born. But every planet is in an astrological. Um, space or house or whatever you want to call it, Qua- mm-hmm. or um, you know, if you design, if you divide the sky up into three hundred sixty degrees from Earth, it looks like each of those planets are located in an area of that pie chart, right? right. And so that's the sign that they're in at the time of your birth, and supposedly that affects your personality and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just vague, and there are personality types, and you can kind of. Like, if you blind someone and they don't know what sign they are and you read them a description of the sign, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's totally me. Yeah. No matter what sign it is. You know, there's been studies like that. So I I think that's what it's mostly about. You know, the year of the cock, like when it listed off things. You just love being in the year of the cock. That's true. But when it listed off like the things I did, I was like, wow, that's actually right on. Like I said, soldier, (laughs) owned a restaurant. Oh, really? And like all this stuff. And world traveler. And I was like. Wow, when did creepy. you own a restaurant? I didn't own it necessarily, but I've run restaurants. Well, I don't have to talk about that because I didn't know that about no, you. No, you knew that. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I did. I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just forgetting. <laughs> yeah. I know you're a cock. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, this has been Sex and Science Hour. If you want to be on our after show, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. We'll be back at you next week. Thanks for tuning in. 